Hi, this is Tina. And I'm Mia. And you're listening to Yeah, No. A podcast about starting a business at the intersection of design and healthcare. I've had this in the last two weeks have been around healthcare <laughs> and how it is a communication nightmare. It's driving me crazy and it's just made me realize like how much improvement needs to happen in healthcare still. Logistics, calling, making appointments, you know, there's just, a, it's just a mess and there's no way of understanding what the best way is to get through it. You're not feeling well, so you just want to get the problem solved, right? And I think the biggest issue is that nobody's really thought about what that user experience is like from a patient perspective. So what would you want, like what would you specifically want a designer to do? Like in my case, I just want to get an appointment, right? That's a multi-step process when you think about the complex system of healthcare because you've got to make sure you have a doctor in your in on your insurance plan you got to figure out you know is the doctor accepting new patients there's just all of this stuff that like before i call that doctor's office and try to make an appointment it'd be great to know that they're not taking any new patients i just spent you know all this time researching you and figuring out if you're the right doctor for me and then i call you and they're like sorry we're not taking new patients until september and then you're like by then i could be dead right (laughs) you know right I have a question for you. When did you know you wanted to stay in healthcare and design, be a designer in healthcare? I think that the first time that I knew was when we were in the homes of these teenagers and talking to them and trying to understand a little bit about their lives. And What was um, the project for? The project was for looking at teenagers who had chronic disease and trying to redesign their personal health record. You know, we had an opportunity to go into these teens' homes and kind of find out more about their daily lives. And I just really liked doing that. I liked doing the research part. And I just couldn't imagine doing research for a bar of soap. Right. And so I, when I thought about research, I thought, well, healthcare research was the only type of research I probably wanted to do because it, I knew that it would probably mean something. What about you? I waffled a long time because when I came out of graduate school, I wanted to be a designer. I hadn't really thought about just staying in one industry. I had always been interested in, in empathy and emotion and how how you can use design to create more kind of emotional and empathetic experiences for people. And I just found it was a really great industry to work in because of the lack of empathy and emotion. It was hard. It was probably the hardest decision to make was deciding to just be exclusive to healthcare. And I had people telling me it was a bad idea and that and some people saying it's it's totally worthy. I didn't even know it was a thing, healthcare design. And maybe it wasn't a thing at that time. I think that what's most compelling to me about healthcare is that more than anything else, people have a hard time making decisions because it's so tied emotionally 
to how they feel. For me, I think that that makes the decision so much more complex. And so they need design because they need someone to help communicate to them how to make better decisions. Yeah, design is not a luxury, right? It's like, I think people view it like, oh, design is reserved for your mobile phone, right, experience, or your great salon experience, your great hotel experience, right? But it's design is a necessity. And in healthcare, it's particularly that way because we're talking about, you know, people's lives. Right. So how can we make design a necessity, like a very important function within healthcare? Which is today we're going to talk to Katie McCurdy. She's we're going to give her a call. Um, She's a UX designer at she's working inside the hospital right now at the University of Vermont Medical Center. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, Katie. You know? It's my birthday. Happy I'm birthday. Really happy. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I got some new tube socks. And yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited. It's a good day. Well, thanks for joining us on your birthday. Yeah, thanks for having me. Do you want to give us an um, intro? Who are you? Yeah, who am I? I am a user experience designer. Um, I live up in Burlington, Vermont. And um, I've been focusing my work on healthcare for about the last five years. And that's involved working with some um, startups and a nonprofit, a health data nonprofit. And then for the last two years, I've been working in a hospital setting as a um, kind of UX design consultant. And then in addition to my work, I'm also a patient. I'm a, I have um, two autoimmune conditions. Uh, one is called myasthenia gravis, one is called Sjogren's syndrome. And I've had those for like 25 years. Um, so I have this long history of being a patient and kind of that background that I bring to my work in healthcare. Um, and then I also am lucky that I get to do design work in healthcare and try and improve the experience for other patients like me and um, providers as well. So Katie, we called you today because we're trying to make a case for our designers to get into healthcare. Sounds great. And I think there's maybe two aspects to what you're talking about. One is why designers are desperately needed in healthcare. And second, why a designer would actually want to work in healthcare. Um, maybe two sides of the same issue. I get hit up by people actually on like a weekly basis who are interested in getting into healthcare. And the first thing is, there are um, there are tons of opportunities. I mean, it's just a growing kind of sector, and there's there's just a lot of work in healthcare, and that's not the touchy feely reason to be a designer in healthcare, but it is a you know it's a good kind of financial reason to get um, into the work. But it just I guess it just feels great to you really feel like you're a helper. You get to help people feel better. You get to help doctors feel better about their work and not burn out as often. Um, you get to help patients communicate better with their doctors. Um, and, and it just, the work feels really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that helps you love it and not burn out as a designer as well, when you feel like you're really making an impact. Unless you really can interact with the users and understand what their experiences are like and that it can actually mean something, it becomes really stale and stagnant, right? That's a really good point. I think that's what I have loved about working in a hospital system is at first I have really great access 
to both patients and doctors. And we did a lot of, you know, prototyping and, and usability testing and just testing ideas. And we can take a, a prototype and walk over into the kind of main lobby of the hospital and just start talking to people, showing it to them and getting feedback. So, so it's like a 10 minute walk to go get feedback and you don't have to pay anyone mm -hmm. because they're just sitting there waiting for their loved one to get out of surgery often. And they're so happy to have something to do. Um, it's just the barrier to interacting with people is so low and that, and that interaction is what I love about the work. The other thing is working in a hospital system, the problems are so diverse. So I came from mostly a digital design background and now working in the hospital, um, I am working on a redesign of their website, but I'm also working on a redesign of their paper bills. Um, we're also working on kind of redesigning wayfinding in the hospital. So how you make your way through the physical space of the, of the campus. There's just a, like a plethora of different types of problems that are so interesting and new for me. And that makes it really interesting and fun. How, how do you get your projects? Um, my colleague, Jeremy Beaudry, is full-time in-house um, kind of a designer, and I am a consultant, but we partner together. We work on a lot of projects together, and it's partly being at the right place at the right time for something like the bill, the paper bill. And we all know bills can be really confusing, especially hospital bills. They, they wanted Jeremy to try and fit this little kind of statement on the bill that you can now pay your bill online. And he put in wow. a word, well, hey, since we're, we're going to make this small change, why don't we look at the whole bill? And, because it really needs a refresh. It, hadn't, it really hadn't been designed by a designer. It was designed by a very well-meaning engineer in the, in the 90s, literally. And so it hasn't, hadn't been looked at since the 90s. Yeah. So, being, so he kind of put in a word, why don't we take a step back? Let's do some testing with this, find out what's wrong with it, and go through a redesign. And we've been really fortunate that the leadership level people at the hospital have often been, you know, totally up for these kind of projects. That's a great example of, I think this is part of the value that designers bring is that you, it's asking the right question, right? Yeah. And, and a similar, it's a similar story with the um, wayfinding project. They started exploring digital and this is like a classic, maybe a classic scenario. They started exploring digital wayfinding solutions. So an right. app that you would put on your phone and then come to the hospital and then you'd open the app and then use it to navigate your way. Um, and so instead of kind of jumping to that solution, again, Jeremy was in the right place at the right time to say, um, let's actually like give me three months and we're going to do this. Uh, kind of research project to understand what our problems are in wayfinding at the hospital. And wayfinding is something that really matters to leadership and they know it's a problem. They've heard it for years. So they're like, great, go, you know, go run with it. Um, and so that has actually led to a much broader scope of fixing our wayfinding project or problem, which um, involves you know, we're going to bring in a vendor to help create new signage and kind of a new um, conceptual kind of wayfinding strategy for the whole hospital. That's great. Yeah. Um, so what kind of advice would you give to designers who are kind of coming to you and saying, well, Katie, I really am afraid to go into healthcare because I don't really know anything about it. And I feel like it might pigeonhole me into one space. And what if I want to leave it later? 
I do think it, it is a strength if you are pulled to this work for a personal reason. If you're pulled because of an experience that you've had or um, an experience you, you know your family has had, I think it it really makes the work um, even more meaningful. I don't think it would pigeonhole anyone. Design work is very, um, the work you do is very applicable to different industries. I, even though I've focused on healthcare for the last five years, I don't think I would have any problem going into a different industry tomorrow if I wanted to. I would say also um, the design community in healthcare is really strong. Yeah, That's something that I think is also a real strength people, you know, people in the healthcare design community who really care about what they do and um, really support each other. It also feels like we're at a brink of something new and big, which is something that has been very exciting for us in healthcare, is that we have an opportunity to change the, the experience of healthcare. And so much of the current system was not designed really were not designed for people like I was thinking about this um, just in my own experience the doctor patient visit you know really wasn't designed for patients kind of a system for doctors to get reimbursed for these little time slots like there's there's a lot of stuff I'd love to share with my doctor in between visits but I don't want to bother him because I don't want him to feel like he's not being reimbursed for reading about me um, while I'm not sitting there with him in the office. There's just so much that uh, that can be improved. And like you said, from incremental, you know, how do we improve um, this patient portal and make it more patient friendly for people so they can see their data to how do we how do we rethink how doctors and patients communicate with each other or um, how do we rethink whether an in-person visit is even necessary? I had worked on a few different projects um, to kind of just help with systems that um, kind of help doctors with their workflow and help help them make better use of technology. And it's just, it's so sad. How, when you ask doctors what they love about their work, it's um, interacting with patients, building relationships with patients, and they, they love the, um, the time with patients. But then what they hate about their work is technology, and technology is like the number one cause of doctor burnout. And there's some crazy stats, like I think over, over half of doctors are burned out. Wow. Um, and a lot of that is yeah due to kind of workflow and technology. Yeah, that technology fatigue. What do you think are kind of the biggest attractors to bring designers into healthcare? First, you really do have the ability to um, improve patients' experience. And when I say patients, that, that could be friends and family of yours. You, you really do have the experience to make things better for people. Um, you have the experience to help reduce um, provider burnout. You have this awesome community of healthcare designers who are so supportive and, you know, very interested and passionate about the work they do. Um, I think one thing we've also realized in, in a, especially in a hospital setting, you have as a designer, the ability to help kind of change the culture of this, of these very large institutions that have 
um, very established ways of doing things. The way we work, the way we run meetings or hold workshops is very different from what people have seen before. Um, they always are telling us that we have more fun than they do. And so we're, <laughs> we try to pull them in. Yeah, <laughs> We try and pull them into that. And the other thing that is great about hospital work, um, especially is, as I mentioned, the access to both patients and providers and the ability to pull them into design projects um, in kind of co-design, participatory design. Just the, the access to people in healthcare is great. Um, and it, it just makes the work really fulfilling. Why do you think that um it's different for healthcare talking to doctors or patients? Because the stories are really powerful. Um, whether it's people telling, I've, people telling me the story of their heart attack yeah. and the emotions that they went through during and after, um, which was a project that I was doing a few years ago. I talked with a number of people about their heart attacks and just, I mean, these stories are really powerful and the emotions that you hear from people, it's, it's just, it's, it's a privilege to be able to talk to people about these often the worst moment of their lives. You described a piece that you were doing in your article, How Designers Make Hospitals Awesome, which is such a great title, um, about patient-oriented, emotionally sensitive material. And I love that that idea that I think we just lose sight of like taking pause and being like, like, how do we make this stuff less clinical? How do we make it more engaging? How do we give people a, a moment to think about all of the emotions that they're going through right now and, and their thoughts? It's um, I think everybody gets caught up in the, the cycle of healthcare where it has to be efficient and uh, clinical and um, results driven but at the heart mm -hmm. of it it's it's a really emotional moment for people it really is and I mean a lot of the material is written by very well-meaning clinical people yep. um, but unfortunately you know I was just working on I, I end up doing a lot of writing at the hospital and kind of rewriting things in plain language and we have these after visit summaries that you get when you leave the doctor and I literally one said uh, something about knee adduction and I didn't even know adduction was a word <laughs> and then one was like if you if you think you are having a myocardial infarction <laughs> please proceed to the e you know emergency department and I was like oh my oh my gosh so it's yeah I spent a lot of time trying to put things in a language that that people can really absorb. You know, what material do we give new new cancer patients when right when they're diagnosed? Like what how can we help them through that moment? And what we had been doing is giving them this really huge binder that probably weighs like two or three pounds. It's kind of unwieldy. It's full of information, all the information that you could ever need, plus like a big empty notepad in case you want to write a bunch of stuff down. And when we sat down with patients, they were like, no, I, I can't, at that moment of being diagnosed with cancer, I cannot take this information in. Yeah. I just here's need a, to the know. Here's a giant binder. I just told you that you yeah. have cancer. Read yeah. Yeah. And also like, it doesn't fit in any, like in a normal sized purse. So like, then you have <laughs> to carry it. And what if you have like a little kid or so, you know, like, and so they they were just like, what, 
we need is emotional reassurance um, that we're here for you, basically, and that we, you know, we want to, as a patient, I want to know that this hospital, that these, you know, providers are working together as a team. And, and I just want to know the very basics. Like, I don't even want that much information, just my next steps. There's a tendency in healthcare to want to throw a bunch of information at a patient to say, here, if you educate yourself, you'll be more empowered and you can make better decisions and you'll know much more. Uh, but uh, we all know that that's not true, having emotions, because emotions are so tied together with our, mm-hmm. uh, with our health and it's just impossible to absorb all that information. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. to, to re- just that reminder of taking off your hat and, and just you know, realizing that you yourself are going to be a patient someday and and nobody likes to get that much information. You don't like to get that much information when you get, a, you know, a, a new, new phone. Yeah, or a new car. Yeah. Yeah. So. Just throw it. Well, Katie, thank you so much for the conversation today. We really appreciated it. It's been uh, great to chat with you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I feel like we could just keep going. Good luck with everything. Thanks thank for you. Okay. Doing what you do. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. She's so clear. Yes. She's oh my clear. God. Yeah, she's good. She's it's so good. she's so simple. Yeah. I mean, that's classic. Her user experience background, I think, is that she just explains stuff in such a simple way. Yeah. That's what we need more of. That's what healthcare needs, just to explain things in simple ways. Yeah. I liked what Katie was saying about interacting with users and. I think that one of the biggest things for me about being in healthcare is that you have an opportunity to interact with users. And I think other designers could say, oh, well, I interact with users. I see how people might use a a website or a product that I designed. But I think that the compelling aspect of healthcare and the reason why I am in love with it and I continue with it every day is that the stories that come from the users are so much more impactful. And I think that that, that was a really great point and, um, and I, I think a clear case for why designers would fall in love with healthcare. Right. People's stories about their experiences with healthcare really hit on a, a such a universal nerve, right? It's like we will all have to deal with our health at some point if we're not already dealing with it. Another thing that Katie said, which is related to this, is resisting the urge to jump ahead to a solution too fast. This is a classic design problem, right? Like just add this statement onto the the bill of, you know, you can pay your bills online now, right? Like that's what they want you to fix as a designer. But as designers, we know that that might not be the problem. Right, because likely the origin story of that is people said, I want to be able to pay my bill online. That's right. And then IT said, hey, we made it now so that you can pay your bill online. Yeah. And so then marketing said, well, we had to tell the patients that they can now pay their bill online. Yeah. Right. And they never really, they never had an opportunity to step back and say, whoa, 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 wait. Is paying your bill a good experience? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, you know, when, when you move into a house and you start stripping, you know, you want to paint the wall and then you realize like there's six coats of paint and wallpaper and everything junk underneath and you've just been layering on all of these improvements and then... That are temporary. Yeah. Now it's terrible. Yeah. It's just overall. And I think the problem, the fear though, right, to 
it's similar to that metaphor because I'm going through renovations in my house right now is where do you stop? Yeah. Because save for redoing the whole <laughs> Stripping entire it house. Stripping down to the studs. Yeah, because then, you, well, well, you strip it down and then you realize, oh, but it's not just this wall. It's that wall over there and that wall over there and that wall yeah. over there, right? right? And so it takes a lot of courage, I think, um, you know, with what even what Kitty was saying is that they have to be able to say, okay, we're going to commit to doing all the walls. I think an example that we've had a lot of experience with in our work has been that instructions for use. You know, it's similar to that cancer big book of you have cancer now, but it's like it is so impossible to read. The print is like six Tiny. point type and it's this giant like it's way more information that you have. And really probably what's happened is there's been a lot of requirements that had to go in there from a regulatory or a clinical point of view. And they just put it into this giant thing that is also bundled with how to use this properly, right? right? And so then the user has no idea, the person has no idea what they're supposed to be doing. They're yeah. looking at too much information at once. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, as a patient, you're also like, oh, my God, I have to take this injection at home. And this is the first time I've injected myself with a needle at my house. Right. And so the last thing I want to do is read five-point type from a lawyer. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so lessons out of this conversation. we got to be simpler. We can be more emotional. Healthcare experiences not only being clinical experiences, but that there's people and emotions behind them. Being clear that it's not just one thing that needs to be solved in healthcare. It's very large. It's something that you never really get tired of because you'll always be a patient and you'll always be interacting with people who have great stories. Cool. So we want to thank Katie for being on the show today. Thanks, so Katie. Happy. Stay tuned for future episodes of Yeah, No. We have a lot planned. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing and write us a review. It's yeahnopodcast.com. You can find us on the on the Instagram. <laughs> the Instagram. <laughs> uh, this episode was recorded at Figure Eight Studios in Brooklyn by Michael P. Coleman. The music is written and produced and performed by Chess Smith. And how thankful are we that we have a producer and an editor. So thank you, Elizabeth Audley, for joining our team. See you next time. Bye. Bye.